new here, I'm Courtney Ryan, and in this video, I have a group of women here with me today, and we're gonna be talking about the topic of the rise of single and childless women. So recently, this Morgan Stanley good. has projected that 45% of women will be single and childless between the ages of 25 and 44. Just, just think about that for a second. 45% single and childless between the age of 25 and 44. Just think about what that means for a second for society. Just think about that. By the year 2030. So I've actually covered this in, in a solo years. episode on my channel already. Seven if you now. haven't seen that and want to hear my perspective and thoughts, be sure to go check that out. But this video specifically is going to be getting the opinion and thoughts and initial reaction from a group of other women and giving a woman's perspective on the topic and why they think this is occurring. So let's get started. Okay, women react to the rise of single and childless women. So basically there has been a study research done by Morgan Stanley where they're projecting 45% of women between ages 25 and 44 to be single and childless by the year 2030. Okay, just think about, okay, before we begin, before she, she responds, this, this girl here, whose name is Gab, let's just look. So again, you have been told that you've been invited to an interview, and this is how she chose to dress for an interview, right? Didn't really do her hair, just a t-shirt, a beanie. But let's look at her expression, okay? You see how she has the downturned lips and the angry eyes? This is a sign of a person who's perpetually unhappy. Just keep that in mind, okay? Uh, and then more than 50% of women currently are childless at 30. So from a woman's perspective, also being 30 yourself, like what factors do you think are contributing oh, she's more 30, to okay. women being single? I think right now more of us are single because we grew up in this craze of going, you, you go to college and you like, now you gotta have debt and now you gotta work it off. And, like we were a little more, you know. Brainwashed. I hate to be cliche, but in that empowerment mode of women right. really grinding after it. And we've broken a lot of um, barriers, so to speak, in different... Okay, so notice how it's kind of like a hive mind, right? These girls have the same talking points, right? We've broken a lot of barriers, gender pay gap, you know, like we're so strong and empowered. But what do they have to show for it? They have single and childless, miserable in debt, working a job. Hello and welcome to the Helios blog. My name is Helios, here for another reaction video. If you're new to the channel, like in the content, hit the sub, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content. It's for the stuff that I can't put on YouTube, guys. Patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Just go there and subscribe to the Nebula tier. Again, Patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Also, I was planning on having a holiday sale, maybe for two weeks. Um, if you subscribe to a year, I'll like give you 50% off, something like that. So just go uh, on Patreon and you'll see it. All right. Okay. Capacities, you see more women doing certain jobs that maybe before only belonged to men or it was majority men. You, you saw that flux happen. So as a natural byproduct, some of us, when we get into into that go mode and we're hustling or doing our best to be a leader in whatever field we're at, we have our competitor hat on and maybe some of our priorities took a back seat. Uh, this is like, 
How would I describe this? Gobbledygook is how I would describe this. It's just talking point, talking point, talking point, talking point without saying any truth at all, right? It's just saying it's not my fault, it's not my fault, it's not my fault, I didn't do anything to contribute to this, I just, you know, I'm in my competitor mode and so the other priorities fell by the wayside. Uh, No, that's not why you're single and childless. You're single and childless because you're hypergamous. Women want superior men to themselves. So if you're working, what happens is, you know, working one of these big jobs, like let's say accountant or doctor or lawyer or engineer or whatever, you want somebody who's even better than you. So you price you price yourself out of the market because as you get older, you get less valuable because men don't reward uh, a good job with, you know, points of attractiveness. And uh, you get older, right? And these girls, you know, they're going for these superior men who just throw them away because they have so many options. But more than this, because women have entered the job market, what happens is, whereas before all you needed was one man in the f- in the family working, like one person, then and that would provide enough money for two people, um, and the family would be fine. Nowadays, if you don't have two incomes, uh, f- f- it's not enough, right? So that's the byproduct. So female hypergamy coupled with uh, increased standards has made women single and childless. I know for me, I feel like it's more like I just had some bad decisions. So like I... Oh, taking personal accountability? I've made some bad decisions? That's very rare. I don't want to say wasted my time on some experiences, but I had those were experiences I had to learn. So I was... No, that's not... No, no, no. She's like... Again, this is this is a rationalization after the fact, right? So in the moment, she enjoyed it, but later on, she realized it was a waste of time. But here's the thing. If you had been properly raised to understand the kind of man that you need to go for, then you wouldn't have wasted that time in the first place, and you would actually be married and have children by 30, right? Or at, at least be in a long-term relationship, a serious one. I feel behind, but... Um, I can't speak for everyone, though. Those are just my experiences. Oh, by the way, um, if you as a, as a woman, right, start looking for marriage and relationships at the age of 30, you've missed the boat by about 10 years. Men who are actually self-respecting, who, have, who are competitive, who are extremely high value, they're not looking for 30-year-old women to marry. They're looking for, you know, 23, 24-year-old women to marry. And it's not anything personal. It's that men want time to develop a relationship and then for the girl to still have time to have children. Multiple children, not just one. That's the thing. And to have healthier children, right? Because women have healthier children when they're younger. That's what it is. It's not something that men have against women. Also, there's a less likelihood of being alpha widowed as well at that age when they're younger. So I think it was, it could be a combination, maybe, yeah, there's less pressure to settle down than there was so many years ago. And truthfully, I always look at the glass half full. So I'm kind of like, you know what, I'd rather live it up, be a little selfish. And then when the time comes, we'd be popping out these kids and I will feel like I've lived my life and I can be fully present for them, you know, because that's right. That's selfish is the correct word, right? It's I'm going to have my fun. And then when I'm done having my fun, then I'm going to settle down with a guy who's going to save me from my bad decisions. Uh, there was a, a famous um, uh, 
content creator, his name was Dal Rock. You can look him up. He he, he called it a sticking the landing, right? So they it's a their life is a total, total mess. It's a disaster, but they want to stick the landing. But your likelihood of sticking the landing if your whole tumble has been a disaster is, well, as you know, very hard. Because it's not about me anymore, my life and all the things that I want to do because I didn't get to do them and I'm going to hold the resentment against the kids now. You know, no, I think... Again, that selfish attitude is what would prevent you from getting married in the first place. Oh, I'm missing out. You know, like if I had gotten married at 23, I missed out on all these, uh, on all the experience of banging Chad. You know, like it's actually better if you don't do it at all in the first place and get addicted to that than start down that path and then rationalize it after the fact at 30. I think that it's okay if you're a late bloomer. I'm a late bloomer to everything. And I don't, I don't feel that there's shame in that. But if I, I think if I had to pinpoint it, I think part of it is the workforce situation. Part of it might be people are, had more room to have experiences. I mean, the way that she, she's saying it so nicely, she's tiptoeing around. When she says there's more room to have experiences, what she means is banging chad is easier than it's ever been right because you know you have instagram you have tinder you have snapchat you have bumble hinge etc right and and so there you go right it's it's like again anything but taking accountability and personal responsibility and so now they're just waiting on the one um I think a lot of it, like I said, is um, hookup culture. I think that is such a new thing for like younger generations. So I'll, I'll talk about this hookup culture thing after I've read the article. But here's what I'm going to say. Most men do not participate in hookup culture. All right. Okay. We're going to go to the article. Uh, people are people. One of the most predictably, this is from Roro Tomasi, by the way, one of the most predictably common responses I get when I read comments on other blogs or forums linking back to one of my articles goes something like this. He's a great writer, but it's all such BS because people are people. Everyone is different. We're all individuals. There's no universal, quote unquote, human nature. I'll admit there was once a time when I would have had the same response. An integral part of our feminized, equalist conditioning teaches us to reject propositions of human nature. Really even venturing to guess about it in favor of blank slate philosophy. Equalism, the religion of womanism, cannot exist in a world predicated upon even a margin of common influence determined by our biologies, our evolved psychology, or even evidence of the mechanics which account for that collective influence on human beings. It's not that most people subscribing to this won't admit to extrinsic influences on the individual when pressed. It's just that they believe that free will, conscious effort, and determined conviction will lift the individual above their biological quote-unquote limitations and therefore the greater collective and in focused concentration on a bi-person basis they'd probably be right what they don't account for is acknowledging the subconscious influence of extrinsic and intrinsic prompts that motivate human beings to hold these convictions in the first place the evolutionary innately biological limitations they wish to rise above aren't bugs they're actually features 
The standard rational fallback of the feminine mindset, Nawalt, which is not all women are like that, finds its roots in the individuated experiential reasoning of the blank slate people of people equalist reasoning. While I think that a wholesale rejection of individual personal development is an extreme, it's merely the other side of the extreme coin compared to a wholesale rejection of environmental and biological influences on personal development, then extrapolated to social and cultural extremes. This is where the people are individuals mindset flourishes. Peripheries. When I was in college, I was a competitive fencer, epee and saber if you must know, and it was from my fencing coach that I learned a very valuable lesson in psychology told me, when you're facing your opponent, concentrate your vision directly at where his eyes would be behind his face mask. You cannot possibly track the tip of his weapon with your eyes, and neither can you focus enough attention to follow all of his body movements. What I learned was that when you apply focus to the central point, your peripheral vision aids your subconscious understanding of what your opponent is doing. It's the uniting of this gestalt peripheral awareness and a focused awareness that makes for the best competitive. Human beings have an amazing capacity to multitask, but a real trained focus on multiple sources of stimuli was problematic for us in our evolutionary past. Too much constant stimuli leads to sensory overload and a breakdown in functionality, which then proves fatal if you're distracted from reacting to a lethal threat. Thus, we evolved psychological mechanisms to push less important information to the peripheries of our conscious awareness to afford us a mental acuity on information of more importance. An entire world goes around us that we're only peripherally aware of, and in some senses only exists in our peripheral consciousness. For instance, at this moment, you're probably focused your attention to, on this text on a computer monitor or maybe a mobile device, but in peripheral vision, you interpret and understand that there are other things in the environment with you. Pictures on the wall, a cabinet, maybe a nearby printer, you're reading this text, but you know they're there. If someone threw a ball at your head right now, you'd reflexively react to it, focus your, uh, focusing your awareness on the projectile. Our conscious awareness works in much the same way. We push, we push less pressing information and conditional awareness to the peripheries of our awareness and concentrate on more pressing information until such time that we choose to address those issues. Sometimes we call this insight, but it's really the focused effort of applying our consciousness to conditions, thoughts and self-acknowledgements that we've pushed to our peripheral awareness. For instance, I'm typing and concentrating on what I'm writing here, but in my peripheral awareness, I know I have a meeting to attend in a few hours, and deeper than that, I know I'm a 44-year-old married father, and how am I going to make a significant impact on the world in my next 10 years? Uh, one of my personal foundational theories about psychology is that people are innately aware of their own conditions. On some level of consciousness, people understand what has influenced them, what has motivated or demotivated them. They may only be peripherally aware of those conditions. Uh, they may be more introspective of them, but they understand that those influences exist. For as much as a single mother might say she's not looking for a supportive father for her child, she still knows, if only peripherally, the reality of her condition as a single mother. A post-wall, childless, never-married woman of 38 is intimately aware of her condition and the reality that comes from that. Okay, so you can continue reading that on the Rational Mail. Let's go back to this. Oh, right. Hookup culture. So let's continue what she said. Or I guess just the younger crowd. Um, that by the time we were 30, that all the gems are taken. And it's, you know, if you find a good guy, like, it's hard to trust them and, and really think that they're honest. Because some of the candidates you meet nowadays are just the worst. Oh, look, she's smiling about it because she loves Chad because she's addicted to Chad and she's jumping from Chad to Chad. So she's just, just straight up telling on herself, right? She says, it's not my fault. It's hookup culture's fault. Well, no, you chose actively to participate in that culture, having information that it's not good, right? So here's who participates in hookup culture, just so you guys know. 80% of women and 20% of men. So... 
most women participate in hookup culture and a very small percentage of men do. Actually, if you go by Tinder, right, and uh, statistics of dating apps, it's actually 80% of women and 5% of men. So again, these girls are all competing for the top 5% and they, go, they just get passed around, right? And they get passed around because um, the guy has so many options, but she's not settling for less, right? She wants Chad and she won't settle for less than that. And so Chad just drops her and she goes and searches for another Chad and she, he drops her and on and on and on. The carousel goes and where it stops, well, it stops at single and childless at 30, right? And 40 and 50, right? Again, you need to be very prudent in your decisions. Yeah, she's like, the guys at 30 now are just the worst, she says while smiling because she only chooses guys that are quote unquote the worst. Like, you can't be multi-alpha widowed and then expect a good man to come along and save you. Men are starting to wake up. The marriage rate in 2022 is six out of a thousand, soon to be 2023, by the way. I think it's that accessibility that wasn't there prior. Um, so if you think about it, like my grandmother and my mom weren't able to have their own bank accounts. So like now that I have more financial freedom for myself, I don't have to get married to secure that financial freedom that's actually true so because women are able to be financially free um they then don't want a guy who is less than them right and hypergamy makes it so that the average man just falls by the wayside right so the the girl instead of um you know marrying and having children and, and, you know, allowing a man to take care of her or whatever and appreciating a man for that because she couldn't even have a bank account. Um, now she's like, oh, you don't have this. You don't have that. You, you don't have this. Why would I ever even look at you, right? And they see it as a good thing. But actually, the, the increased standards make it so that the average woman um, is not able to compete, right? She's not able to get the kind of man that she wants because those men are taken as as the 30 year old before said the gems are already taken by 30 right so like i think women are choosing to be single now because they are more accessible to different careers that are able to pay them to be single like there's no no more where you have to marry so so she's saying you don't have to you don't have to rely on a man you don't need no man right but you do because if you want to have children in a stable family you need a man Right, so what happens is these girls go into careers, and uh, some of them do it in in the same way that girls used to do it for an MRS degree, quote unquote, which is you know the girls will go to university to get a university educated man and marry, right? Um, but now it's it's even more extreme. It's it needs to be my job plus, right? And I think the statistics on it are if the man doesn't make forty five percent more income than the woman, then she's not attracted to him, right? So. That's that's how extreme it is. So imagine the girl has a career that makes a hundred thousand dollars. She wants a guy that makes one hundred fifty thousand. That's like, like I don't know, five percent of the male population. Just that. But then he also has to be tall. He has to be fit. He has to have a six pack. He has to, you know, he has to have a nice family, etc. And you can think about how small a like a percentage of the population that man is. It's like 0.5%, 0.25%. And so they spend their whole lives looking and never finding. They price themselves out of the out of the market. And as they wait longer and longer, they get older and older, their competitiveness actually decreases. And if they're alpha widowed and they have tattoos and they they're have an entitled attitude and stuff, it gets even worse. 
So this is the idea. A man to ensure that you're able to have an income. So I think that's the biggest factor. I think there's a lot of things. I think that like even just our parents' generation and the generation before them, like women depended on guys to be their provider because they maybe didn't have the opportunities or just like weren't as career oriented as women are now. So I think that women got married a lot younger previously, like so that the guy could provide for them. So I it, it, I mean, she's telling on herself. That's that's what her own mother did, right? Um, but it's it's interesting. It's telling, right? Like like what happened? What happened is women were able to get their own careers, and so now none of them ever had to settle for an average man anymore, uh, j- just a provider. Now they need Chad, right? They need a superior, successful, competitive, tall, attractive, charismatic man. And just think about how likely they are to find such a man. Uh, Of course, since that man is the man that all men want to be and all women want to be with, the competition is fierce, and so more and more women end up single and childless. That's uh, just organically coming out of what all these girls are saying. I think that because women have careers now, that they might kind of like push off that part of their life. And then also like, just with like modern medicine and fertility things, like you can like freeze your eggs or embryos and like have babies later in life, which that... Sure. So what happens is these girls, they hold out for Chad in perpetuity. They're like, I'm getting older, but I'm just going to freeze my eggs. And then when I finally do lock down Chad, then I'll have children. But this opportunity never comes because the opportunity to lock down Chad was literally a five-year window between 18 and 23 wasn't like as common or as available before and then i also think the amount of options that we have because of the internet whereas before like you had your people in your area but now like because there's just endless options i think that i don't want to say people like don't settle but they just they keep dating hoping to find someone better so that's exactly right that's yes she's telling on herself right they keep dating to find someone better so you know, Tinder, Instagram, Snapchat, Bumble, Hinge, all these dating apps, what they do is they turn the marketplace from a local marketplace to a global marketplace. So instead of having to beat the guy in your village, like, you know, three guys you have to be like better than, you know, and you could beat them just by wrestling them or whatever. Now you have to be better than every single guy in a 50 kilometer radius. Or, you know, in a, or everybody within plane flight distance, which is like millions of men you have to be better than. And this difference is what causes, like, and, and imagine, you go on one of these dating apps as a girl, you get like a million messages a day, right? And so you think you're incredibly valuable, even if you're average. And so when an average guy messages, you're like, ew, no. Like, why would I ever choose an average man when I have access to all these guys and they're even willing to come over and even, like, sleep with me or whatever? Like, of course you're going to take, like, the better man over the worse man, right? Except the better man has so many options that he's never going to commit and you should have actually never chosen that man because um, he was above your pay grade, right? And so we get the single and childless phenomenon. I feel like people don't always appreciate like what they have as much. Yeah, they don't want to feel like they're settling, right? So yeah. they're they're single for longer. Everything's getting pushed back. I feel like there's this rise of like independence with being right. a woman. Like you don't need a man. Right. You don't need 
a partner. You right. can just do everything on your own. Um, I think that has to do with it. Of just course this, it does. This idea of being independent and, you know, getting your own career and all of the above, it makes it harder to be with somebody and less likely that you need to be with somebody. You don't need to rely on anybody, and the goal is to not rely on anybody, so... Right, except if a man feels that he's not wanted or needed, he's not going to commit to you. All right, on to the Reddit post. This is on uh, relationship advice. Uh, my wife, of, who's 26 and he's 27, is pregnant, but I'm sterile. First, I'll clarify a few things from the last post. I suffered from a skateboarding accident at 17 that caused severe damage to my bits and tubes that run to them, and they had to be removed and replaced with prosthetics, rendering me 100% sterile. That fact was double-checked three years after the accident, and I was still 100% sterile, so there's no way the child is mine. I was in the process of transferring her data from her old iPhone to new iPhone and saw a photo of a positive pregnancy test on her iCloud. I'm not proud, but I did a little snooping and found a conversation with a best friend talking about it. So here's the update. After a long and difficult talk with her and her dad, we decided that we're going to separate and file the papers with the county we currently reside in. We'll have to be separated for a year before we can legally divorce and we'll be doing the paternity test when the baby is born. In the meantime, we broke the lease, which she paid for, and we'll have until January to clean out the apartment and after that we'll go our separate ways. My lawyer and I decided it'd be best for her to stay on my insurance until after the birth of the baby, but I'll not be going to appointments nor will I be there when the child is born. As far as I'm concerned, we're done and there's no chance of reconciliation because cheating is an unforgivable sin. She fundamentally ruined my trust in her, and if we stayed together, I'd constantly be wondering if she'll do the same again, and I don't want or need that in my life. If you're unhappy, but you aren't capable of having a discussion with your partner about your feelings to try and come to a resolution that, are, that not only benefits you, but also your relationship, you're an emotionally immature person, and we're not compatible. I'd like to thank everyone here for their advice, and especially like to thank the people who DM'd me with the messages of support and stories from their own lives. I'll try to remember to log into this account after the baby is born, if there are any major updates. So, there you go, right? Like... If you can't have children, if you're sterile, she's going to cheat. She's going to have a kid with another guy and try to convince you that it's a miracle baby, quote-unquote. It's not. All right, um, 2.9K upvotes. You can get the test done before the baby is born with just a blood sample from the mother. There's no reason you have to draw this out until the baby is born. I'd recommend doing it sooner rather than later, if only so that you have something to refute anything she tells other people about you abandoning your children. Uh, 750 upvotes this, but also depending on the location or judge, the whole separating for a year thing may be looked past. If you have a pregnant wife and a test proving the baby isn't yours, it's a pretty good argument for why you won't be fixing this. All right, we're going to end the video there. Again, guys, if you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit that sub, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content, patreon.com slash the blog. Just go there and subscribe to the Nebula tier. Again, it's for the content that I can't post here. And uh, I think I'll have a Christmas sale. So for the next two weeks, uh, if you decide to subscribe for a year to my Patreon, I'll give it 50% off, okay? So that'll be like $30 or something. Um, again, uh, shout outs to Tom M for his donation. Uh, really appreciate it, guys. Um, you're wonderful, especially if you took the time out of your busy day to listen to the end of the video. Um, take care of yourselves and uh, I will see you next time.